It is still January, just. This month has uh, moved very quickly. And um, it's not that I, I'm joining in the throngs at the gym who are in the January fitness thing, uh, but I, I do try. I know you're probably thinking, never uh, does he go to. I do try and get to the gym from time to time uh, to, to make a difference in my life. And I'm aware that there's, there's something about uh, doing this that I was just reflecting on. Uh, I try and use that time. Uh, you probably think I'm a bit geeky, but as I'm doing my exercises, I listen to sermons. That sounds really pious, doesn't it? <laughs> if they get boring, I put some music on. Uh, but there's an amazing thing in there that, it, you know, I, I had a bit of, I, uh, before Christmas was the last time I went, and it took me about three weeks to go back. And I was really discouraged about going back because I thought it's going to be really hard work. Do you know that thing where you kind of, you're used to something that becomes hard work? You know, to start again, to, to get back to something. Um, there's lots of ways to help that. Uh, there's an app, apparently. I've not used it, but I know some people called Couch to 5K. It's an amazing app, apparently, that if you have never run in your life, you are just a couch potato. Forgive me for saying that word, uh, and I'm not casting aspersions. But if you have never run, the app will take you from your couch to being able to run five kilometers, I think in about the space of eight weeks, eight, nine weeks. Isn't that amazing? I mean, part of it is just to start. It's not just to look at the app on your couch and go, that's a nice idea. But it says, you know, partly is to stand up. I mean, this is all sounds a bit like rocket science, doesn't it? To stand up and to start moving. And it says, even run for 30 seconds and you can walk for two minutes. That's the start. To bring the change. To reach the goal. Does anyone know what uh, Isaac Newton's first law of, uh, of motion is? Sunday, come on. I mean, we're in a school building. We should know. Well done. Let's give him a round of applause. In fact, let's, let's just... Paul, you're a star. Uh, so let's just say that so everyone can hear it. And on the recording, so I don't have to... So are we on the microphone, Phil? Everybody remains at rest unless compelled by some external force to do otherwise. Very smart. Thank you. Now, he was the person that phrased that, but there's a spiritual truth in it too. But it's not just the outward. I mean, God is at work in us, but there's something about our choice that means if we want to grow, to change, individually or as a church, it will take a decision and some effort. The default is to sit on the couch and remain the same. The, this isn't, it's kind of like a New Year sermon, I guess. But one of the things we've been praying about and looking forward in this year is opportunity. I mean, there's always opportunity in God for the kingdom. I mean, that's what he wants. He is causing us to take steps of faith, to grow, to shift, to become more like Jesus, to see the kingdom of God unfold. But the reality is, if uh, we don't move, choose, allow that to happen, we will enact the first law of motion, the inertia. It takes a lot to shift. I found that going back to the gym. 
oh gosh, here we go again. It's going to be hard work. But I have to say, once you start to take those little steps, it becomes easier. Turn with me, uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, and, uh, or follow on the screen. Uh, just a couple of verses from Hebrews 11, verses 8 to 9. Hebrews 11, verses 8 to 9. A great chapter on faith that the writer to the Hebrews is, is talking about. In the light of Jesus, the great high priest, the Son of God, the one stand of all that he's accomplished... And draws from examples of the Old Testament of what it looked like. He talks about in verse 1, faith is the confidence in what we hope for, the assurance of what we do not see. And this is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, here we go, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going. By faith... He made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents and did, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Abraham's example is really helpful for us today. That Abraham was, was uh, that patriarch, that uh, uh, older man who was living somewhere probably in what we'd now call Iraq, on the plains. And God came to him way back in Genesis chapter 11, is the story that is recounted. And said, come on, Abraham, as he was calling, get up and I will take you to a new place. And blessed him. I guess at that moment when God spoke, and he didn't have these words, Isaac Newton's first law of motion was relevant. Stay where he was or take the first step of the journey. Take the next step of his journey. Abraham helps us to see and I pray, I'll, I'll illustrate this for us as a church this year, but, but it's also applicable to each one of us of the call of God in our li- lives to take the next step, the call to change. The call to change. Uh, have any of you read Mark Twain? Huckleberry Finn, you know, you've probably seen some of him. He was a great writer. He was a great wordsmith. And I came across this one, that, uh, one of the things that he said that I, I kind of found deeply challenging and want to share in this context. He said, Mark Twain said, the only difference between a rut and a grave is the length and the depth. In and where we are, God calls us to step out. We all can become stuck in a rut in reality. But God doesn't want us to stay put. He wants us to journey on. For Abraham, the call came and he modeled faith. You see, there is always this pressure upon us as believers to stay put. 
someone in identifying uh, that he they they called it the seven steps to stagnation. Uh, and I was, uh, you know, this isn't the self help to stagnation. I hope you recognise. But just hear what he, uh, a guy called Erwin uh, Sukup, described as the seven steps of stagnation. He said, firstly, we've never done it that way before. Secondly, we're not ready for that. Thirdly, we're doing all right without trying that. Fourthly, we've tried it once before. Fifthly, we don't have the money for it. Sixthly, that's not our job. And seventh, something like that can't work. They shouldn't be things that describe the believer. You see, in this call to change, in this call to journey on, to take the next step, It implicitly means stepping out with a risk, making a change. That if we are hoping and desiring to be instruments of God's kingdom purposes in our changing community, in our families in the world, it will need us to take a step of faith, to risk something. Whether we become famous for it and acknowledged of being pioneers, or whether actually it's a change in our own family, a community, our own particular sphere of influence. It will involve risk because it means moving from where we are to where God wants us and calls us to be. For Abraham, it says, by faith, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Wow. But it involved him hearing what God said and stepping out. He models for us faith through the course of life. D.L. Moody once said, the Bible wasn't given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. I hope that something of change comes today. I'm not saying you aren't changing. We're really encouraged by what God is doing amongst us, but I want us to keep this in mind. Abraham models faith. It's really important for us to model what this looks like. I was, uh, we were at Fresh Dreams the, the other week. Uh, Sally was there and uh, Tim and uh, Kate, Phil and myself and um, probably others in here, but uh, Mick and Kath were there. And one of the speakers, a, a lady called Miriam Swaffield, she was talking about the generation, millennial generation and what are the now going to be almost 18-year-olds, the Generation Zedders. I'm a Generation Xer, if you just want to know. And she said about the millennials and the Generation Zedders coming up, the rising ones, they are really looking for examples of people, whether they're kind of just in their late 20s, early 30s, but examples of what it looks like to live these things out. Not just to speak good words, but to see it. To see it happening, to see the reality of it in someone's life. I think that's rain. And everyone's going, what's that going on? Do you know, I, I, we've, we've been looking um, uh, at the, I kinda, you've got, we've got some new church software. You've probably been aware of that. And one of the things it does, it can kind of like, does a little bit of analytics. And it shows us like if, how old the congregation is, where the kind of uh, the different sets are and, uh, and how many male and female there are. I'm not making any age-based things. I'm so thankful for so many godly saints and witnesses amongst this fellowship. 
That's not just me being polite of saying you're you know, a bit more senior. It's not. For those of you who've walked with the Lord, who have stepped out in faith through your life, who have made a profession of faith early on in your, at some point in your, in your walk and walked with Jesus with integrity and conviction and passion. Hallelujah. Because actually for the generations below, there is a kind of looking around in this world to say, what is it all about? And your example, your witness, your faithfulness in continuing to step out models faith. One of the things we're, we're kind of aware of as a congregation and we're praying into is that we don't have so many people, particularly in what are the millennial generation. Have you noticed that? The 20s and early 30s. And we pray that we would see more of that. And actually, as we uh, pray into that and hope, gosh, it's like hailing or snow out there. Not to worry you. You know, when, they, when God calls us to them, I pray that we would be ready to say, to walk along with and see that God has given to us and a gift for us. People, men and women, when people come to faith through Alpha, when people join and come into the church and say, what is the reality of this place? It would be a people like us who are committed to following the Lord, of stepping out in faith, of saying our life is for him. We are not contending with the first law of motion. We are taking the next step because it's about the reality of God. In other churches in our country, in our world, some people might smile and go, oh, yes, or even give a, an agreement of a hallelujah, or even a nod of the head would be good at that point <laughs> to say that you're with me and you agree, or really, I have to work at this inertia thing a little bit more. <laughs> Do you know, in leadership and in modeling, it's not just about showing what we've recently read or what we've heard or what we have discovered from someone else. It's about the reality of our journey of stepping out in faith ourselves. Of course, we, we learn from the example of others and take that on board. But faith is real because it's walking with Jesus ourselves and can say from my experience, from my testimony, from first-hand knowledge, this is how I am walking with the Lord. Pray that we won't just be in a rut, but take the next step. See, in Galatians 3, verse 9, so those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Or Romans chapter 4, 16, therefore the promise comes by faith, guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have faith, the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. You see, faith is a way of life for God's people. Faith is a lifelong journey. For Abraham, it meant hearing the word of God and setting out. Didn't know where he was going, but setting out following God. For all of us, that is true. It involves hearing God saying he loves us, he's called us, he's purposes, he's welcomed us through Jesus Christ into his family. And now saying, I'm not going to stay put, but I will take the next step. I will walk with him and walk with his people where he calls us. One foot. And then the next. And then the next. And then the next. Habakkuk 2.4. See the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Or in other translations. But the righteous person will live by his faith.
Don't forget Abraham was at least 75 when God called him out, called him to leave his home, his relatives, his community, his possessions, to travel to a destination that was unknown. He was called to trust God. And he stepped out. He modeled faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. He models faith, but his faith is responsive. He heard the word of the Lord and went. He took God at his word. He understood that God was the boss. That's the radical thing about faith. That's the radical thing about the confession of faith. Jesus is Lord. He is boss of our lives, of us as a church. He comes first, that he is the leader, that we are called to step out and obey him, not just when it seems fanciful and nice and in our favor, but to say, yes, Lord. No, Lord, is always a contradiction. Yes, Lord. That's the basic lesson of faith, foundational to faith. The Lord leads and we follow. As such, we, we are as a church built on this belief that Jesus is the head of the church. The head of the church universal, but also the head of, of us as a congregation. He's the head of all of us. Not just theoretically, but in every way. Jesus calls the shots. He's in the driving seat. It's not about the leaders or deacons, ultimately, or the big givers or the powerful group who have the most say-so. It's about him. And we've been called, and God is looking for a people who will be obedient and responsive to the voice of God. Isn't that true? Not only that we step out, but, but that we are responsive to what he says. And thirdly, that we are risk-taking. Hebrews 11.8, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and want, even though he didn't know where he was going. Gosh. Uh, you know, we like to have things uh, all set out for us, don't we? Is that true? It's a bit of a risk to go, oh, I don't know. But the thing about the journey of faith is, is not that God sends us on a wild goose and nut chase. Not that God sends us out into all sorts of like uh, troubles and traps and pitfalls and it's uh, all that. Actually, the thing about this is God goes with us. We don't know where life is taking us. We don't know what uh, news is going to come. We don't know how fragile actually life is and what circumstances are down the road. I mean, just look at the politics of Brexit at the moment to know uncertainty. Uncertainty actually drives paralysis to be conservative, to do nothing because it's like, I can't see. There's a pressure on us to stay put. I'm not kind of saying that's remain leave. I'm just saying the reality is here that when we don't know where the outcome is, the tendency of us is to say, oh, well, I won't move until I know. But the Lord says, step out with me for I am with you. Journey with me. It is a risk. 
But in the example of Abraham, in the testimony of Scripture again and again, that that response of Abraham, that risk-taking, that faith-taking, that movement, was commended. Father of faith, even though he didn't know where he was going, he stepped out. There's huge implications for that. Someone called Jax Elul said, Christians should be troublemakers, creators of uncertainty, agents of a dimension incompatible with society. What's he trying to say? He's saying that if we don't, if we aren't salt and light, we live unmoved in the society that is decaying. But as we are salt and light, because we are called to be his disciples, we are agents of change. We bring the change that our culture is so desperately needing. Someone said it like this, we're all looking for something more. If you're a fan of television, you'll know what this means. Uh, From the the TV programs that are watched by millions every week, the extreme makeover programs offering makeovers of face, of body, of wardrobes, of homes, of facelifts, of Botox injections, of nose jobs. We want to feel better about ourselves and we keep looking for the ultimate makeover to transform us, body and soul. The world may not know what it's looking for, but it does know that it's looking. This year, we've got a number of things coming up. You've probably been aware of this. In a few weeks... Uh, At the end of of February, beginning of March, we're setting aside a whole week to pray. Joy Dimmon's going to help us with this. And uh, we're going to have opportunities to sign up in the night slots and in the day slots. Gulp. (laughs) You just need to know that Phil and I always get the the leftover slots. And that means four o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Hallelujah. And it's not necessarily that we're going to be moving, asking you to come into our church building to pray, because I know many of you commute and go for, from, move from a, a fair away to come to church and to come to our events. But we are asking the Lord, as we set aside a week, to move amongst us, to pray into certain things. Now, you may be thinking, I couldn't pray for an hour. It's It's a bit of a challenge, but we will make options and resources available. You may think an hour is a long time, and it kind of is if it's, you know, focused and really good. But if you're doing like an hour of, uh, if you go to sleep, an hour goes past quite quickly, doesn't it? You're probably thinking this sermon's going on forever. It's not even been an hour. Thanks, Tony, for nodding. Pentecostal over there. But you know what? We've got a month. I don't know how your prayer life is. You might be think an hour is kind of an hour. What a joy. Or you may think, oh, I just manage a few moments here and there. But like the 5K, couch to 5K, it takes a start. Why not in the next month, take a step of faith, take an action to, to resist the inertia that will say, no, stay put, stay put, stay as you are. Make a decision that over the next 30 days or so, before we call the church to pray for an hour, and you may just sign up for one slot to say, right, okay, I'm going to plan this out. Today, I'm going to pray for two minutes, and tomorrow, I'm going to pray for three minutes. And I know that that mass doesn't work in 30 days to get to 60, but add two minutes maybe a day or five minutes a week of actually start to make a change. 
Maybe you kind of think, I don't know how to do that. What do I pray about for now? That seems an awfully long time. Maybe over coffee, go to someone you think and probably knows something about this. And I can point you back to the myth of the door if you're interested to know who those I think they might be. And say, how do you pray? I don't know. I want to grow in this prayer thing. Not just in this next month, but I know that it's really important to follow Jesus to be a prayerful person. And I want to know about how to do it. Take the step. In the, at the end of March, we've got a mission coming up. We've not done one formally for a long time. We're doing mission all the time. It's not like we've just decided to do it. We've got mission happening every day of every week, and you're on mission all the time wherever you happen to be, and that's brilliant. Every Monday, we pray for you out on mission. Not just on Mondays, every day, but we, we gather as a staff team. But we're, we're setting aside five days, and you've met Roger before he's come to preach. Roger Simpson, do you remember him in the autumn? He's coming with uh, the gladiator ace, and uh, uh, Paul, who is here at the end of November, the, the kind of cruise pianist, do you remember him? They're coming to help us on mission. And we've got, so we're going to have some events. Rob Short, the singer, do you remember him? He's coming back to help us. To, we're going to have some events over five days. We'll tell you more about them. Some are going to be in homes. Some are going to be in here with youth and children. They're going to come into schools, primary and secondary. Part of why we're setting aside 24-7 is to pray ahead in the coming year for that. And for our events in April is on the run-up to Easter. We've got some really good things coming up. And with the goal of looking at our next Alpha course. Amazing. It's our 50th Alpha course that Phil has run since he came. And our prayer is that we'd have 50 guests on that. I mean, there's nothing magic about 50. But wouldn't it be great to find and ask 50 people to consider, to think about, to have the opportunity to take steps of faith with Jesus? Wouldn't that be great? And it needs us to take that challenge, to take that risk of looking a bit awkward to say to somebody, would you like to come on Alpha? Would you like to come to hear this great opera singer, this great singer come? Would you like to come? We're hopefully going to have someone who's an expert in artificial intelligence to come and, and speak about his faith and what it means in our day and age to, to think about artificial intelligence and God and theology. Would that be of interest to you? What about uh, on the Sunday morning, we're going to have a big breakfast. We're going to have bacon baps and orange juice and pastries. <laughs> You like that, don't you? Oh, that sounds good. But it's not just for us. I mean, I, I like bacon baps and pastries, and, and I'd be up for that. And coffee, we have that. We're going to have that on the, uh, the 31st of March. But part of that is to say to somebody that you're with, come along, we'll give you breakfast, a big breakfast. And it will be a really helpful service because we're wanting to take steps of faith to introduce people to Jesus. For some of you, it might be the first time you've done that. Or it may be another risk take because you've been rejected when you've asked people before. But I pray you won't get stuck in the rut. You won't stop. You see, part of this risk taking is the way we grow. The way we grow in spiritual fitness. You remember, as long as a bird stays in the nest, it doesn't know the one. But for every bird, there's that moment. That's a bit risky, isn't it? So long as a child clings to the edge of the pool, having the water hold you up as you swim. So long as we hold on to the familiar and the safe and the comfortable, 
We never know what God would do if we'd said yes and stepped out. See, Abraham models for us faithful living in his example, in his response, and in the risk. I pray that in the coming year, not only as these do these things as a church family together, but in your life. As you read the scriptures, as you pray, as you follow the promptings and leadings of the Holy Spirit, we take the next step of not be sedentary and stuck and same old, but following the Lord, He says, I will go with you and lead you. The great shepherd of the flock who leads us the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who says, continues to say, come, follow me. Let's pray together.